0: Culture Map presents. What's Eric eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Russell Regals from Regels Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by my co-host this week. She is the proprietor of SwankyMaven.com. Please, Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey,
1: hey, hey, hey! I totally miss you so much. So much.
0: I I miss you, too. We are still social distancing. We are still recording over Skype. I have heard feedback from listeners that actually it sounds pretty good, so I feel good about that.
1: Well, good! I miss everyone because I didn't... Talk to you or see you last month, so it seems like I've been gone like for months and months and months. Then we have the social distancing, so you know I'm just going crazy because I'm such an extrovert, but it's all good.
0: Yeah, that's right. You have not been on the show since the beginning of February, so we are overdue to talk to you.
1: Yes, sir. You are.
0: Well, I'm glad you're here. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Restaurants are really embracing this trend of offering grocery items to supplement their to-go curbside delivery business. So I've I've listed a few: Dish Society, The Flying Saucer, Bernie's Burger Bus, Good Company, Local Foods, Avondale Food and Wine is in on this. Uh, chain restaurants are in on this. I know. I know Saltgrass is doing it. So Felice, let me let me throw it to you. Have you have you been to any of these restaurants that are doing this? Have you have you shopped for eggs or milk or, or whatever produce at a at a restaurant instead of a grocery store?
1: I have not yet. Um, I have a pickup at three o'clock today at Dish Society because they have like a full store. I think it's a fabulous idea. I'm going to get um, the uh, the produce box, which you know you don't really kind of get to pick. It's like a box that gives you stuff for a week. And then I'm thinking about adding some bacon to that. So I think it's great. I mean, it's a one-stop shop. You don't have to go to the grocery store. Um, And as you said, it's a way for them to supplement um, their, you know, kind of their income and the traffic. And it's one of those situations where we've been dealt a bad hand and everyone has to kind of do something different to get creative. So I think it's smart. I think it's absolutely amazing that they're doing it. What about no, I, you? Have you done it?
0: I have not, but I agree with you. I I think, you know, everybody it's not that the grocery stores are running out of food. They're given the, the demand, they are very well stocked. But if you're concerned about social distancing, especially, and you're trying to stay away from crowds of people this seems to me like an ideal situation because you know the restaurant you order in advance it's curbside or there's only a couple of people you grab it you go you're gone you're not in line you're not around a whole bunch of other people maybe they're wearing masks maybe they're not maybe they're sick maybe they're i mean hopefully hopefully people who are sick are staying home but you know it's it's a it's a this is a difficult and strange time and yeah. so yeah. i I support restaurants that are doing this. I think it's really smart. And and the other thing is, you know, this gets you, you talk about that produce box, right? That's a, you know, that's locally grown produce. I mean, I know Avondale's is all from Atkinson Farms. I don't know if uh, if Dish is working with Atkinson specifically or one of the other I local I think farms. they are.
1: I think they're working with Atkinson's Farms too, if I okay. can remember correctly. I think they are too.
0: So you get access to locally grown stuff in a way that you would typically only be able to do that at a farmer's market because they don't, you know, their primary customers are restaurants. Obviously these farms aren't supplying as many restaurants or nearly at the volume that they had been, you know, before the coronavirus closed dining rooms. And so, you know, as a, as a normal person as just a a diner or a grocery shopper, you know, you're getting access to a quality and, and a, seasonality that that maybe you wouldn't have before I this.
1: agree and then also what it also does it you know it takes support local to the next level because you're supporting the restaurant and you're also supporting the farm that's also feeding you know your body your anxiety from again having to go out it's just I think it's a win-win for that whole cycle there so I think it's a great idea
0: You know, the only the only bummer is you can't typically get Coke products, name brand cereals, that kind of stuff. But I did see on the good company list that they had like movie theater candy so you can get like Reese's Pieces and M&M's and stuff. That's a big that's a big uh, buying point for me. I need
1: I need snacks. Clearly, clearly you're projecting a little bit. I was like. I hadn't even thought about that. I'm like, Eric, you're projecting a little bit. Because <laughs> that was very specific. The well, right. theater snacks, you were very specific.
0: But but all the – but, but you know, the nice thing is all the stuff that, that can be hard to get at grocery stores, you know, everybody's everybody's decided they want to make sourdough. So mm-hmm. all-purpose flour has been hard to get. You know, a lot of these restaurants are stocking – flour, milk, butter, eggs, all the, all the stuff that,
1: tissue, toilet right. tissue as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a selling point.
0: <laughs> so it is, it definitely is. Right. And, yeah. and the prices aren't, you know, the prices are all pretty reasonable. So yeah, it's uh, it is a trend worth keeping an eye on.
1: I agree. I think, I think it's a great trend. I'm actually have some of the trends that we're seeing. Um, I hope they continue, right? Like, and I think some of them will cuz it's just like it's another string of income. So, there you go.
0: Oh yeah, so what's another trend that you you've uh you've appreciated?
1: So, I love that um where HEB is in each one of the markets, the Austin, San Antonio, and Houston, they're doing the three restaurants. I think each locate each city has three restaurants and then they're giving the restaurants the opportunity to um they're not making any money. The money goes straight to the, all to the restaurant and they're able to provide meals and you're able to go pick them up and select he Um, I went, um, so it's Underbelly. It's,
0: right. Cherry Block and
1: Brennan's. Um, Brennan's. Yes. So the first day I went to the Bunker Hill location because they were supposed to have all three, but they only got Underbelly that day and by the time I got there- there is only two meals left. I literally turned my back to talk to the manager because he was saying the other two locations were gonna deliver the next, you know, they were he was like, We'll get some more tomorrow and we should have all three. Someone had swooped him up. So I think it's a great I I think it's great to see things like that, right? Like I'm like where everyone's helping everyone to survive in this thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I talked to Lindsey Brown, who is, of course, Chris Shepard's publicist, about what they're doing. So they're actually in 10 HEBs, most of the ones in the loop, that big one on Bunker Hill, the big one in Briar Grove, uh, one in Sugarland, And, you know, they're doing, you know, the Korean braised goat and dumplings. It's not Burger helper because it's made with, with Wagyu Texas beef. So right. it's wa- It's Wagyu helper, chicken tenders and, ma- and mac and cheese, a couple others. Right. But... And Brennan's yes, is so just
1: doing their turtle soup.
0: Brennan's right is They're just d- doing turtle soup. Cherry Block is doing gumbo, red beans and rice, a braised short rib, pimento cheese, and something also, else. I, don't have everything,
1: I want all that. I want all of that. All that and the um, the Wagyu helper. The Wagyu right. helper. Like, I want all of that.
0: Well, and, and you know, being the gumbo snob that yes. gumbo tastes better the next day.
1: It does. It does. I I usually, a trick that I do, um, go. I don't even have time to ask the restaurant, did you make it today or did you let it sit? And I just order it to go, like what I've started doing, ordering it to go and eating it the next day to just cut all that out for myself. And it tastes so much better. So,
0: so right. So now if you get the cherry block gumbo at, at HEB, you, you can know that it's, it's probably yesterday's gumbo, right? It was probably yes, made the yes. day before, packaged yes. and delivered to H-E-B the next day. So
1: that's going to be perfect. Yeah.
0: Right. All right. Let us move on. Topic number. We'll call that topic number one and a half.
1: Okay. <laughs> so,
0: or maybe maybe that's topic number two. I don't know. Uh, but topic number three. Then, speaking of this trend of restaurants turning themselves into grocery stores, you know, your boy Johnny Rhodes of Restaurant Indigo. Is as you say, a little bit extra, right? Yeah, Johnny, yeah, Johnny's, Johnny's, not, Johnny's not just gonna sell produce, he has opened a whole separate grocery store that he is calling Broham Fine Soul Food and Groceries, and it is selling not just produce but also all kinds of prepared items, breads, pastries. I mean, he's making his own sodas. He's selling sauces like Indigo's signature yellow barbecue sauce, all kinds of pickled and preserved items, um, and all in that neighborhood of Trinity Gardens, which is where Indigo is, and the neighborhood is considered, according to Johnny, the neighborhood is considered a food desert, meaning it doesn't it doesn't have a grocery store that supplies access to fresh food. Uh, so Felice, I'm just going to throw it to you. What do you think about what Johnny's got going on at Broham Fine Soul Food?
1: Well, you know, if you go, let me go back a little bit because I know you've known Johnny like since the beginning of his vision before this happened. And that was like a top vision for him. Like it was equal to the restaurant. He's very passionate about it because it's been a food. It is a food desert and giving back to the community things that is much needed that can't, they can't get. And so to be able to open that now, like he, he sped it up, right? Um, and to open it and to provide that service to that community, I I, I mean, it just makes my heart jump. It's um, I'm, it, I'm smiling because it's much needed. Johnny's the right person. Um, and it's a labor of love for him. And the things that he's doing, all the things that you named, those play to his strengths, like making the preserves and you know, doing all these things that you don't, you know, if you go to the restaurant, you'll see some of it um, based on whatever the dish, but those are some of his strengths. So I think that um, it's a good thing.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. And and you are 100% right. He's been planning to do this for a long time. And he had planned to open it in August, which is always the month that Indigo is closed. But he decided not to wait because the need is so great. You know, like he he told me for the article I wrote about this on Culture Map, you know when people don't have access to restaurants or their restaurant choices are limited, like they're they're going to get by on soda and chips and candy, which at a time when we all need to kind of eat smart, eat well, to benefit our immune systems, I mean, that only that only makes it more likely that someone's going to get sick. yeah, so you know the timing for this really couldn't have been better. And then Matt Harris, who's a frequent contributor to this show, uh, actually went up to Broham and and tried some of the breads and some of the items. He said they're extremely delicious. That they're they're really. Uh, he got some biscuits that he said were pretty special.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to go. Um, I saw, actually I saw Matts. He did an Insta story, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that looks so good. And he was like. To your point, what you just said, he said it was delicious. So I can't wait to go and so to be able to support him, and you know, get some stuff and come back and talk about it.
0: Yeah, no, that will be when we're when we're leaving our house again. That <laughs> right. will be that. Will as be I to talk Eric,
1: about. as I like to say, when outside when outside opens back up, that's going to be my first one of my first stops when outside opens back up for us. Yes.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. And then topic number three, Turkey Leg Hut is expanding their dining room by about a thousand square feet. It will give them uh, about 30 more seats, a little more room in the bar and expanding their restrooms. We talk about Turkey Leg Hut a little bit on the show occasionally. I think it just goes to show that there's really no slowing this place down. It is such a cultural phenomenon.
1: It's insane. And I don't even think like the 1000 square feet. I think it's great, but I'm like, will you even see the difference? Like, they probably need quadruple that amount because it's, I mean, it's it's just insane. It's crazy. Like when I go places and people like, "Oh, have you ever gone to that turkey leg hut place? It's 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 insane." I don't, as you said, I don't see any slowing them down. And, um, I'll, I'll take the food truck any day. Cause I'm not, I can't, I can't do all the madness. I can't, if I want Tucker leg hut, I will hit their food truck at the food truck. park <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry. Even with the additional um, space and, and people like, no, the line moves really quick and all that. I'm good on that. It's just too, uh, it's overwhelming for me. Well,
0: of course, you know it's one of those restaurants that's really known for its line. So, it's it's got to be an interesting situation now when people really can't line up and they can't, you know, they can't eat in the dining room. So, so they did send out as part of this press release where they talked about the suspension. They did say they've moved to disposable paper menus, and they're encouraging people to order in advance and then wait in their car until their order's ready to get picked up. So you don't have. You don't have to that's be around as many other people.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, because I was like wondering. I didn't even know that they were doing curbside, so that's good. Because now that's something they should keep around <laughs> after opens <outside laughs> back up. Because I would order then. I like. I don't want to fight the line. Let me pre-order, call it in, and y'all bring it to me, and I'm good. Like that's that's a whole turkey leg cut. If you're listening. That could be a big part of your business, okay? I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> right. So the only other thing that I want to sort of touch on with this is, that so they, they talked about expanding their dining room. And so, of course, I asked, well, what about the pit enclosure? Because they had gotten, it, it was a whole dramatic thing, but they got sued right. by some of their neighbors who said that the restaurant was belching smoke into the neighborhood. And then the lawsuit was withdrawn almost as fast as it was filed turkey leg hut got their got their lawyers going and their pr campaign and they kind of beat this back and the response from the restaurant was that is still working its way through the permitting process so they they are still they are still committed to doing something to mitigate the smoke but they as of yet do not have a specific plan for that in place
1: well i definitely think it's a valid you know um I mean, you want to be good neighbors, and I think that uh, they definitely need to make sure that they address that, because if not, it'll come back up. You know, at a point, it'll come back up. So I'm glad to hear that they are still taking that seriously.
0: Well, right. And I I don't think anybody's asking them to do anything that every other barbecue restaurant in Houston isn't already doing. You know, I live near the pit room, and obviously, if you drive past there, you can see they've got a whole a whole separate smokehouse with the two pits in it. You know, you took me on a tour of the pit room at Truth Barbecue, right? They have a, a very elaborate enclosure and, and everything for, for their uh, mm-hmm. offset smokers. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that uh, Turkey Lake Hut should have something similar for, right. for what they're doing that allows them to continue to operate. I mean, the, the restaurant's a bona fide cultural phenomenon so i don't, right. I don't they can think-
1: afford it they definitely can afford it and <laughs> like you said yeah. other they're not exempt from doing things that other smoke houses or people that um are in that type of um business that they're doing so why why not them so
0: right yeah. all right felice that does it for the news of the week we'll be right back with our restaurants of the week stick around
1: you're listening to what's eric eating
0: Well, at least for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to continue to talk about some of the places that you and I have been ordering food to go from. So let me let me start with you. What's what's one restaurant in the last week or so that you have ordered food to go?
1: Uh, Truth Barbecue, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Truth Barbecue. Um, I went – I was trying to call, and I, I knew that was going to be a fail because it was the first thing that they were open – you know, because there was the first day that they were back open after the weekend. And um, the line was just busy, busy, busy. And so I was like, okay, I'll just go, because I kind of want to see what they have or whatever. And, you know, I went and got barbecued for three days. And it was great. I mean, it was, they do a really good job. They could have had I called in, they would have been able to bring it out to me. And I think they have since you, you have to call now. I don't think that you can go into order. When I went, I think, a week ago, and you went since I went, I think. But I don't think you can go in and place your order now. I think you have to do all curbside. But it right, was great. It tastes just as good.
0: Right. I can tell you that that is correct because I actually also ordered it last week. It's one of the restaurants I wanted to talk about. So you can order. You don't even have to call. You can order on their website. Okay. You know, they have they have everything – Listed meats by the pound, you know, two and three meat plates, sandwiches, cake, the whole thing, and you just click through with exactly what you want. You pay in advance online so they don't have to touch a credit card. You don't have to give them money. And then when you pull up, they, they come over to your car, they ask you what the name on your order is, and they give you a number, and they put, that, they put this, like, number on your windshield, and then someone walks the order out to you. So Got it's it. it's no contact, right? You just you roll down your window, they open the door, they put the bag in your car, you're good to go. And it really couldn't have been easier. And you talk about things you want to see restaurants do in the future, Truth Barbecue without a line where I just pull up and I get exactly what All I right. ordered. Yes. Was incredibly convenient and and I will say to anyone who is intimidated by the line and that's the reason they haven't gone to truth or does it just flat out doesn't like lines now is your time this is this is the time to try truth and yeah and the quality is is you know it sliced a brisket doesn't travel you know it basically it starts dying as soon as they slice it it's not at maximum deliciousness right right but it actually like i didn't even i didn't finish my whole three meat plate and I reheated it a little bit later, and I thought it still it still holds up pretty well.
1: And to your point, there are several folks that have been waiting that I know, and they're like, I'm thinking about going to Truth because they were they didn't want to do the lines, and they've ranted and raved about it, like, oh my god, I have done myself a disservice by not. I'm like, I told you, they're they're just like it's amazing. The barbecue, the sides, I mean, it's literally, you're not losing anything. So, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, I don't want to go to these restaurants um, because some of their food is not, um, to your point, you're talking about the brisket, or it doesn't travel well, or how is it going to be when I reheat it? Most of these restaurants, you know, barbecue is an exception, but a lot of these restaurants have modified their menus to accommodate that like if they had food that doesn't necessarily travel well that's probably not going to be on their curbside or to go menu they they want to have a good representation of themselves and their food when they get to your house
0: right absolutely and then i i also i made it i made it outside the loop for the first time in three weeks this weekend it it's a complicated story but i found myself (laughs) in the briar grove area okay and I went to, so I went to craft Pita because I've been following them on social media and they've ran Rafi Nasser, the owner of craft Pita, has been hustling. I won't say as hard as anyone in this, in this business, but he's been really hustling and they set up. So they set up a tent in the parking lot and they're doing like a drive-through. So you order in advance. Again, they have a website with every option. It's super easy. You pay in advance and then, you know, they tell you when to pick it up, and so you just pull into the tent. And so it's rain or shine. food's ready to go. I got some hummus, I got a chicken and rice bowl. i got uh, I got some pita bread, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's affordable. It's accessible. They make it very easy for people. And you know, they're all gloved up and wearing masks and everything and and so I just I thought it was very convenient and and pretty tasty.
1: well, I'm gonna have to add them to my list because that sounds good. That sounds good. I have a list of places that you know when I get out and I'm like who where am I gonna go? and one of the things kind of to your point, I watch their I've been watching people on social media kind of like what if they're doing specials or what they're doing and one of the places that I went to, that I couldn't, it was one of my favorites anyway, but they were having, their pictures looked really good. That always gets me. Molina's. I went to Molina's on Westheimer and I did curbside. I called the order in. They brought it out to the car. They did the whole thing. And I was a happy girl. I was a happy girl. I got the enchiladas and I, w- I was concerned that, okay, how is this going to travel? Cause I left the, I had a, um, an appointment um, to get up, pick up prescriptions. And I swung wide, a big swing wide from Bunker Hill to Westheimer, back to Katie. <laughs> sw- <laughs> I was Spiritual like, honor. someone said, you swung wide. They're like, that's not even on your way. I go, you know what? Memorial Westheimer, work with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but it, it was fine. It was fine once I got home. And um, yeah, so it's, I mean, I'm, that's the best that we can do right now. And I think it's a great way to support the restaurants. I'm having restaurant withdrawals. You know, I'm, I'm able to get my figs and then also support some of my favorite local restaurants.
0: Right. And I, I keep saying this on the show every week. I want to go to T-Rex. That money cap menu looks so good. I still have not made it over here. That made it over there yet. Easy for me to say. But I feel <laughs> like if I keep saying it on the show, you know, I will speak it into existence and I will. I will make my way over there soon.
1: You'll get there this week. I'm I'm gonna. You just spoke it. I think you'll make it this week,
0: Felice. That does it for the restaurants of the week. What is the what is the status of Swanky Maven in the in the coronavirus? What are you? What kind of content are you producing you, for the people right now?
1: Well, kind of what we're talking about um, on Insta I'll look to see like people that are running specials or what's going on locally. How we can support. I'm putting out. Some people are losing their minds. I'm putting out inspirational words, you know, speaking positivity. Um, I hear a lot of people aren't doing anything with themselves. So I may start trying to share some recipe sites. <laughs> like they're like, I'm not eating. So I'm just trying to share information that's relevant, that's keeping people's spirits up. That That's what I'm doing right now.
0: All right. Well, very good. Thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you for having me. And I miss you.
0: All right. I will see you. I will see you in person soon. I hope.
1: Okay. Very good. Virtual hug.
0: All right. Virtual hugs. All right. I will be right back with Russell Reggles. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I am joined this week by the owner of Regels Barbecue in Briar Grove, Russell Regels. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm
2: good, Eric. How
0: about y'all? I'm doing all right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having us on. I want to talk about all of the things you're doing in response to coronavirus, because I think you're one of the people that's made a really successful pivot. But I do kind of want to start with your personal history just a little bit. How did you get into the barbecue business?
2: Uh, Well, whenever I was about 15 years old, there was a guy that lived down the road that owned one of the uh, franchises to Bodacious Barbecue. And, uh, like I said, I was 15, he did catering out of there and, you know, he paid me 35 bucks to come pour tea and clean up after a catering job. So, you know, for East Texas back in the eighties, that was good money for a 15 year old.
0: Right. And then when did you open Baker's ribs, which was the, what your restaurant was called kind of before you made a change?
2: Uh, that would have been. I moved down to Houston in July of two thousand and one, and we took it over then. Uh, at that time, I was just the manager. Uh, I actually bought it January the first of two thousand and three.
0: What inspired you to kind of make that pivot? Because you had it—you had a successful franchise, you had a, a, a pretty good business, but it was about what? Was it was about five years ago you made the switch from yeah, right, uh, Baker's right. Ribs to Regal's Barbecue.
2: Uh, I wouldn't call it successful. We struggled there quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we maintained, we, we made a, a halfway decent living most months, but some months we didn't. But what really inspired me to change was the, the first time uh, I participated in the Houston Barbecue Festival, which would have been the second annual one, I I had never really been a person to go out and eat other people's barbecue because... I thought everybody did it the same. Whenever I was in East Texas, you know, pretty much everybody did it the same because it was all Bodacious. And then there was the Country Tavern, but I, I still to this day have never been to the Country Tavern and don't really know why. Uh, I just haven't. Whenever I was growing up there, it's like, well, why, why would I go to the Tavern whenever I can go to Bodacious? So at the festival, I saw how other people were doing things I was like, man, I like their stuff a lot better than ours. You know, they're doing something different here. So that got the wheels rolling on that. um, And me and Misty started going around and eating at different barbecue places in Houston, in Austin, San Antonio, Dallas. um, Pretty much everywhere we could, you know, in those towns and in between. And we just decided that we like that style better than what we were doing as Baker's Ribs. So about in, uh, let's see, I guess it was, what are we, 2014? Yeah, December of 2014, we decided to leave the franchise and put Regal's Barbecue on it and changed up pretty much every every recipe that we use here is different than what we did with Baker's Ribs. There are a few that are kind of similar, but most of them are night and day.
0: Yeah, I i mean, you really embraced this smokier, more aggressively seasoned, fattier Central Texas barbecue thing. And, and I mean, from an outside perspective, it's worked out really well for you. Texas Monthly Top 50. Uh, you're on my list of the 100 best restaurants in Houston. You know, you're a top five Houston barbecue joint, right?
2: Well, I, I'd like to think so, but I'm, I'm not the one who decides... What we are in the top or in the bottom, you know, it's what what people, y'all y'all are not not just you as a writer, but the general public is the one who comes up with those. We're we're just happy to be included on any of them, as you know, maybe not the bottom five in Houston, but the the top ones. You know, it hadn't come without a lot of work and a lot of effort. I can tell you that.
0: Well, and you've and you've shown a kind of a spirit of creativity. I mean, you you got in on pastrami pretty early. Uh, you've recently started doing whole hog. I mean, what's that been like for you, kind of uh, exploring all these different styles of barbecue?
2: It's fun. It, it really is. The pastrami thing, I saw a picture on Instagram that Billy Durney from Hometown Barbecue in Brooklyn uh, put up. And it was a pastrami beef rib. And I, I saw it and I was like, man, that is probably one of the most beautiful pieces of meat I've ever seen. Uh, I cook beef ribs. I, I, I can do that. So I started researching pastrami, did that, and then started researching the briskets, did that, and it just, it worked out. We never would have thought that our Reuben would be, you know, considered by, say, Texas Monthly as one of the best barbecue sandwiches in the state. uh, That we would have lines out the door, you know, down the side of the building wanting to get one every Thursday whenever we do them. The whole hog. I've been talking about doing a whole hog run me and Misty had for a couple years and we just didn't get around to it. And last summer, uh, whenever we took our, our summer vacation, uh, we just waited too long to book plane tickets or get reservations. Some in, in the Caribbean, which is, is where we like to go. Cause I like to scuba dive. I said, you know, I'm going to be at the restaurant all day, every day. If we stay at home. She said, yes. She said, how about let's do that whole hog run we've been talking about? And and, uh, I said, man, that sounds like a great idea. So we drove around. We we flew to Atlanta, got in a car. She has some family a couple hours south of Atlanta, went there for one night, then made our way over to Charleston and then up the East Coast through the Carolinas and then over to Gatlinburg. And that was over a 10-day period. And really just, you know, I talked to some of the people owners and and pitmasters of those restaurants and some we just ate and just watched what they did and really enjoyed what they what they're doing there and came back and said well hell let's give it a shot uh the i had cooked whole hog in the past but not like that i'd thrown them on our and and cooked them that way which is what some people still do today it's not the old school traditional over coals but there are people who cook them, you know, on just, you know, offset pits too. The, the only in Houston that I'd had, the only, the only person that, that really did it was Patrick uh, Feejus at Feejus Barbecue. Right. And who, you know, he Patrick was, you know, probably got tired of me asking him questions on things, you know, because I was asking him on quite a few things, you know, and he was gracious enough to help me out with all of it.
0: Right. So, I mean, but so, I mean, all that stuff has been pretty successful for you. Needless to say, I, I don't feel like you're scraping, you know, you, you don't have months where you're scraping together at the end of the month anymore.
2: No, we uh, we can actually keep the bills on all month, every month now, or all the utilities on, you know, and, and all the right,
0: bills well and late fees. <laughs> well, that's good. All right, so let, let's move on to kind of the current situation. Like, when did you become aware of the possibility that the government might close your dining room?
2: Well, I, I knew it. You know, starting back in about January, you saw what was going on in China and then you see it spread to Europe. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before it gets here. Well, then we start seeing what was going on in Seattle and all that. And, you know, it's going to work its way here. And, you know, I was like, man, if this if they shut us down, we're, we're screwed. We're done. You know, every restaurant is because, you know, some people go, you know, you're week to week on these things which thankfully, you know, we're not. We uh, we've been really, you know, I I would guess say smart financially. We've been real frugal and and put money back. But uh, the day it was the 16th, you know, we had been having a lot of press conferences that numbers were rising in Houston. And on the 16th, as soon as they made that announcement, the first thing I did was called Paul Ruffino from Ruffino meets. And I said, here's what I need. I quadrupled every single paper product that I had and said, this is what I need and I need it tomorrow. And he said, why is that? I said, because they're shutting the dining rooms down in Houston. And that is going to be the first shortage that there is out there. So I, I ordered in, you know, about 4,000 clamshell containers right off the bat, along with, you know, about three to 4,000 each or not each altogether of our, you know, side order sizes, you know, just quadrupled everything I do. My dining room right now is a paper storage room because we're stacked up with, with to go stuff. Now I didn't know, and nobody else knew that a lot of these restaurants, it, it just does not work with their model and they had to close, uh, which is very unfortunate for, the employees, the owners and and the city, you know, that, that a lot of these restaurants aren't operating right now. But, you yeah, know, we we jumped into survival mode from the start, which was I guess it was about four o'clock on the 16th uh, that that happened. And I said, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to keep this thing open as long as we're legally able. And I'm not going to cut any hours. I'm not going to lay anybody off. You know, I'm going to try to keep it, you know, for my employees just as normal as I can. And, and I've told them that I said, I could have closed this thing down and I would have been fine. I said, but, you know, I'm not going to put you all in that situation.
0: Yeah. And I, I noticed you've made some changes to your dining room because uh, I stopped by last night for prime rib. Uh, you've got the X's kind of delineating six feet apart so people know where to stand. You've got that plexiglass partition now kind of separating the uh the ordering counter and the staff from many diners. Have people kind of responded well to that? Because I, I know as, as someone who's a little bit nervous about going out right now, it made me feel better that you're taking it that seriously.
2: Well it, it 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 made our customers feel better. And yes, we've had a lot of, you know, comments on it. Uh the I call it my Corona Cootie catching wall. Uh is right right there in front which is that acrylic shield that we put up uh that really made us feel better right off the bat because you know the the people that are here we're basically right now we're going to work and going home we don't know where all these other people have been throughout the day and so basically with one way that this um virus is transmitted is through droplets from people sneezing coughing even spitting when they talk that protects us from them and them from us. If, if any of us were infected, you know, it just it's it's an extra precaution. The X's on the floor. I sat out there one day with a with a tape measure and measured them six feet apart. And um, you know, we we tell everybody stay on your X until the person in front of you uh, moves up. I call it's like a kindergarten classroom. You're in your little box until. <laughs> Uh, there's nobody in their box and and we have to remind people all the time. We, we seem to notice more of the, um, I, I hate to use the term boomer generation, the baby boomers, the 70 and 80 year olds are not really staying in there. They're getting right up on the person in front of them. And we, we have to remind them, Hey, you know, this is a, a lot of this is for you. You are more at risk than anybody else of not recovering from this virus. So we want to keep you are safe. I would actually, you know, a lot of them have, I have asked them, regular customers. I'm like, why are you in here? I will bring it out to you. Uh, you need to be safe. And they're like, I'm just going to come in. You know, one lady that's been eating in here for God, 20 years now, she's got to be 80 years old and she's coming in. She says, I'm fine. Uh, we did, we did that with those, um, Right when you walk in our door, there's a hand sanitizer station with a note that says, please sanitize your hands.
0: I gave myself a big squirt of that.
2: Yeah, That that was
0: another thing I appreciated. It
2: has lotion in it, so it takes you forever to rub that stuff in. But uh, we have it there. We have one behind for us. We actually have three, I think, right there behind the deal. One that Misty bought, one that Misty made, and then one that we bought from the food service company right there, you know in the kitchen where we're at for the customer, after they pick up their food and they're heading out, there is another hand sanitizing station. Um, You know, the one thing that that you don't see is, you know, and we've stressed this in the restaurant business. I'm not gonna say all of them, but I hope all restaurant owners and managers stress to their employees about washing hands. Lord knows, even before this virus came around, don't come in my restaurant sick and think you're staying here. Uh, and everybody knows that from day one. Uh, if you're sick, you do not come in here and bring it in this restaurant. You stay home. We will we will be fine without you here. And just, you know, taking every precaution we can to keep, I, I am to keep my employees safe, myself and Misty safe. You know, by doing that, it helps protect the our, mine and Misty's children who, we actually furloughed whenever they, when this thing started, we said other people need the hours more than you do. Y'all stay at home and concentrate on school. Um, and it protect, you know, helps protect our employees families as well because we don't want them exposed here and taking it home.
0: I, I think the other thing you, you started doing that I, I noticed is you started sending out an email every day, just kind of updating customers on, on life at the restaurant. What made you decide to send that first email, and what kind of response have you you gotten to those?
2: I was scared to death. That's why I sent the first one. And I I, I wrote that in there. I was so scared that I was going to lose everything I had worked 20-something years for. And I was going to do anything I could to let people know that we are still here. We are still serving barbecue. We're taking extra precautions uh, to to keep them safe, to keep ourselves safe uh, and just to thank them for supporting us over the years. And, you know, especially right now when we need it most,
0: it seems like it must be working if you said you haven't had to lay anybody off.
2: No, I haven't. I've got a great response out of it. And I, you know, I wrote in the email last night. I, I never I'm not a writer. I'm a cook. I never considered myself a writer at all. I, I actually struggled in school in English very badly. I made a 70 both semesters in my senior English class, uh, you know, so I just barely scraped out of high school in college. You know, I I wrote, you know, my English papers and speeches uh, in, in those classes and even wrote Misty standing here over my shoulder, I think I wrote all her English papers and speeches too, but <laughs> I, I thought that I was good at it. I, I always thought that I've had the gift of, of bullshit, uh, you know, but that's not what I'm writing. What, what I'm writing is is really truly how I feel every day, you know, at the end of the day, and some, some nights whenever I sit down and write, uh, it's after the employees have been gone a few hours, and I just sit here and brainstorm and think what can we do to make it better? What can we do to make it safer for everybody around? And what can we do to what you know make sure that we keep the doors open so you know the employees and myself can, can continue to make a living.
0: Well, I, I think what makes them so good is that they have the authenticity of your lived experience, that they, they're from the heart and they have a sincerity to them. And I, and I think, you know, I started looking forward to them. I I hope you keep it up.
2: I will. And you know, Misty, Misty had said, you know, you need to keep this up after we will. I said, yeah, I will. I said, I might not every day and I'm not even going every day right now because you know, there are some days whenever I leave here, go home and I'm just exhausted or, you know, been here. I haven't seen my kids really except, uh, you know, in the evening for an hour. And I'm like, look, y'all, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I, the first night I didn't write one, we sat there and watched TV together. And, uh, you know, granted my kids are almost, one's 19 and one's 17. You know, you, you kind of miss them sometimes whenever <laughs> all you're doing is, is, is working. Absolutely. I, I'll continue to, to, to do it. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, I, I and I don't know if, if every writer's like this, it, it I, I can only do it right whenever it just hits me, and I cannot write with there being another person in the room. I, I've got to be completely by myself, because I'm so ADD, one little movement, my squirrels start having a rave up in my head, and my my thoughts go everywhere, so uh, I guess it was last week or the week before, I actually told Misty, I said, "You, I was sitting here in the office, and she was sitting in her chair behind me. I said, are you going to leave anytime soon? Because I need to start writing and I can't do it with you around. So it's it's weird. I I don't, I don't get it. Why it's that way uh, for me. Maybe it's that way for everybody, but uh, I I guess that's just my, my head is the most clear whenever I'm by myself and there's nothing around me.
0: Yeah. I, I will tell you, I find a a quiet room helps. I can't listen to music. I can't have the TV on in the background. I, You know, so in some ways, actually working from home is suited me just fine because it's it lets me kind of block out the noise. Uh, Let me uh, let me also ask you about this. You've been you've been feeding hospital workers. How did how did that get started and and how's it going?
2: Uh, Well, how it got started was Dr. Jeff Sable, which you've met from Texas A&M, called me one day and he said, hey, Russell, he said, myself and Jackie are wanting to donate a little bit of money. to, to help feed some first responders out there. And I can't do it for all the barbecue people, but I thought about reaching out to you and John Brotherton first and seeing if you knew anybody that was in need. Now, this was a few weeks ago. This was before all these, uh, virus tests arrived and our numbers started skyrocketing and all that. And I said, well, I'm sure I can find somebody. Let me check with, uh, with Pat, which is Dr. Patrick Reardon and, and, Dr. Harvey, which is his wife, Dr. Deborah Harvey. I said, let me check with them and uh, see if somebody down at the hospital, you know, if we can feed some of those guys, because there's there's a need there because they're they're working a lot, but they're they're also at risk and and they they don't have time to really take a break except to grab something and go. So I talked to Pat. He said, yeah, I think we can we can do something. So he said, hey, we've got about 140 people at Methodist. Uh, well, he said, I'll, I'll pitch you in, too. And I said, and I will, too. I said, let's just get, it, get them fed. You know, he said, you know, that, that's a good deal. And I, I thought about it. And I said, hey, Pat, let's, let's try something here. I said, let's see if we can get people to pitch in like they do in time of need for police officers, firefighters, you know, to do this for the medical personnel that are, that are doing this. And he said, well, that's a good idea. So on my blog, I um, I put it out there that, hey, you know, if y'all would be so kind, we'd love to have some donations, you know, to help feed these people. Well, I, I didn't know at the time, you know, that, that for me alone, I was going to raise right up under $8,000. Wow. And then Dr. Reardon uh, put a Facebook campaign together and I looked this morning, and he was sitting at thirty thousand dollars on that one.
0: Good Lord!
2: So that's thirty eight thousand dollars to feed people, and is what it's doing is it's you're feeding hospital personnel, and your and you're helping small business stay afloat as well. Uh, that's not to say that that thirty eight thousand dollars is going to Regal's Barbecue because it's not. Uh, so I fed one hundred and forty people at Methodist. Uh, we fed two hundred at Herman. Tomorrow, we're feeding 140 at West Houston, uh, Methodist West, I think is what it's called, at Derry Ashford, Richmond. Uh, and then Wednesday, we'll feed another 200 at Herman. Feed Barbecue is feeding, um, I think they're at about 150 at, I'm not sure if it's Herman or Methodist down in Sugarland. Land. Uh, I talked to Dr. Sable this morning. And, um, 1775 pit barbecue in college station is feeding Scott and white a shift out there and Cooper's in college station is feeding a shift out there. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of barbecue, not to say that it'll all be barbecue, but it's keeping these people afloat. I mean, Patrick and Aaron had to close and they're, they're selling whole meats on the weekend, but you know, I don't know how much they're doing, but them getting a catering job or two a week will definitely help the guys in cooper's they they just started out over there and that's a big building with a big note i'm sure just being open they've got bills to pay 1775 you know that is a true family run business that's uh brads out there his brothers out there his mom's out there his dad's out there you know they they've got you know to survive as well and all of it you know is by you know eating these first responders who are putting, putting themselves at risk by, you know, being right in front of these patients that have this.
0: Right. So, all right. So I, I will say the nice thing is you are, you're still experimenting a little bit. You, uh, you did smoked burgers last week. You did the, the prime rib, which is what I had for dinner last night. What has the response been like to, to those specials and, and just kind of what inspired you to do that? Cause it's, uh, It seems like you've really got your hands full with everything else going on.
2: Well, I do. um, But, you know, the burger thing, a lot of the restaurants are are slowing down at night or or closing. We've noticed a shift from business from day to evening. So we're selling barbecue during the day, but we want to give them another option at night. So I've been smoking burgers for, God, 20, 30 years now. And I said, well, let's give it a shot and see what happens. So we did it this past Wednesday, and we, I, I think we put out 108 burgers, and the, they were all pre-ordered. So we knew what we needed to order so there wouldn't be any waste. Um, it went over really well. We had a good you know, feedback on it. We're doing it again this Wednesday. Um, so that, that was that. Then I said, you know, for, for months now, probably even a couple of years, I've wanted to do a prime rib dinner here in the restaurant, uh, but just was too scared to pull the trigger on it i actually last august i drove up to lubbock and stayed there probably about oh maybe 24 hours at the most to go to to evie May's just to see how they execute their prime rib dinner that they do twice a month there um, and thought well we we can do this here you know why why not try it now So we did that last night and we put out, I I cooked a, I think it was 12 12, uh, prime rib roast. It was, so we did um, 138 orders of prime rib yesterday.
0: That sounds like a lot of prime rib to me.
2: That was a lot of prime rib and we didn't use it all. And I'm not sad about that because I just ate a piece about 30 minutes ago and it was very good cold as well.
0: Yeah, no, no. I mean, it was, it was seasoned well, it got a good amount of smoke in it. I mean, I've had smoked prime rib be kind of a hit or miss thing at some barbecue joints. I thought it was a a very good version. And, and honestly, I was just happy to have an alternative to some of the other stuff I've been eating. It was just nice to have like a, a nice piece of meat for dinner.
2: Right, right. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people are, are in that mindset that you were, you're, 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 What's open now besides? I mean, there's some barbecue places. There's a lot of fast food, and that's what they have drive-throughs. That's what people are gravitating more towards right now is drive-throughs. So you, you can only eat so much of that. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with fast food, because you know, they're they're doing something right there. People are still eating it, um, but it's uh, you're not going to get a prime rib at a fast food joint, and and it's something different.
0: Uh, no, and thirty thirty three bucks with two sides and rolls and chocolate cake. I thought that was a pretty good deal.
2: Yeah, and that was a uh, that was a big. Th- those roasts were huge. You know, some of them were like nineteen pounds, and you know we're cutting an inch cut off of that. You know, if you got an inch an inch cut and we charge fifty for it, you got probably a pound and a half to two pounds of prime rib there, uh, plus the side orders, the roll, and the cake. The cake, uh, we we had a, a young lady named Marissa Marquez who came in and made that cake. Uh, she just happens to be my best friend's daughter and happens to be furloughed from her job right now as a pastry chef.
0: Uh, and, I mean, so, it was it was a gooey, chocolatey, it hit the spot.
2: Yeah, she, she did a good job. And I told her, I said, Marissa, I'll throw you as much business as I can right now. When we do this again, which we'll do Saturday night, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to do a... Uh, a pork chop dinner and I'll bring her back in to do desserts for Saturday. And it's, it's a smoked pork chop. Uh, I, I love them. I think they're great. We've done them here before and it's probably going to be about an inch cut pork chop. You know, that's three different things we're doing. We've kicked around the idea of doing like a, a Tex-Mex Tuesday or something like that. Um, I don't know. It keeps us interested. It gives people a different option and, um, you know, it's fun to experiment.
0: So are you, I I know it's kind of hard to predict how long this is going to last, but do you, do you have plans for the future? I mean, have you thought about a a second location or a, or some, whatever, whatever else you might have in, in the works?
2: Well, I always said that I wouldn't open up a second location until my kids got completely out of school. My daughter will be a senior next year. Uh, My son's in college and uh, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I'm not active. Well, I'm not going to say I'm not actively looking. I'm always actively looking if something were to be a perfect fit for what we do and the rent was right and all that, we would, we would jump on it. But after, you know, if it was right, we would do it. But right now, I see a lot of these people who have multiple locations that are struggling very badly. Multiple locations, you have a higher payroll. Right now, sales are down sometimes bigger isn't always better we run a pretty lean staff here and we're surviving nobody's lost a single hour if anything you know i've got one guy that's been here with me every single day uh since the the 16th and he's like i said goody do you need a day off he said you're here every day i'll be here every day he said you you're working just as many hours as i am and i'll be here and i said well how about let's take off next sunday and monday then so we're going to close Easter and the day after so we can both take a break. But uh, as far as future plans, uh, future right now is, you know, just concentrate on on twenty two, twenty three South Voss Road.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
2: let's, let's let the country and the world beat this virus and to where we can resume, you know, whatever normal life's going to be after it's over. And then we'll worry about that then.
0: Well, Russell, I, I appreciate it. You're, you're a busy guy. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I always end these interviews with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. What is your favorite ingredient? Black pepper. What is the first band you ever saw in concert?
2: Skid Row.
0: Who is your favorite Houston sports figure past or present?
2: Oh, man, God, that's a lightning. That's, um, geez, I would, I would have to say freaking Lance Berkman because he eats in here and he's a great guy.
0: That That is a perfectly acceptable answer. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru.
2: I like Taco Bell Chalupas.
0: All right. And when you go out for pizza, what are your, what are your toppings? What do you get?
2: Only pepperoni. I'm the pickiest eater you'll know, Eric.
0: <laughs> All right, Russell, give us the website and everything for Ragels Barbecue. Uh,
2: it's ragelsbarbecue.com. It's R-O-E-G-E-L-S, Out.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. And more importantly, you can find us at 2223 South Voss Road.
0: Russell, thank you so much for your time.
2: All right, Eric. Thank you very much. And uh, just for whoever's listening, y'all stay safe. You know, we'll get through this. Like they say, Houston's strong. Uh, it might take some time, but we'll be good in the end.
0: Absolutely. I, I appreciate it.
2: All right. Thanks, Eric. Y'all have a good day.
0: You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on CultureMap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.